you may be seated. Cameron, thanks for being here tonight with us. We're going to sing a little bit more after the message here. And, and uh, next week, I invite you back for worship night. It's going to be, we're going to have some prayer in there, but heavy worship and just invite you to, to kind of let that be a night that resets your heart in a fresh and new way. And so uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here. It's a, a privilege to hang out with you tonight. And um, maybe you've gotten to travel a little bit uh, this summer. Maybe you've gotten the opportunity to go on some road trips or just little getaways or vacations or whatever that may be. I want you to think about a time that you've been at the lake. How many of you have ever been to a lake before? I know it's not easy around here to get to a lake, but maybe you've been to a lake. And I want you to think about some of the fun stuff that you could do on a lake. How many of you like water skiing? Anyone like just boating, just kind of going out? Anyone jet ski fanatics? One. Awesome. Okay, so uh, how many of you just enjoy being at the lake? So here's what I want you to do because I got to go get my table here. Take like 30 seconds, turn to your neighborhood, the two, three people right around you and just say, hey, I've been at this lake or here's one of the fun things I like to do at the lake. You got 29 seconds. Go. All right, maybe you got to go to a lake when you were a kid and you kind of grew up in that. Maybe you're from the Midwest where they actually have water. Uh, we did a road trip to the Midwest this summer and like there's lakes everywhere. I don't know if you knew that. It's not out here. But uh, we had a great time being out there. There's simple things you could do at the lake that are just fun. Anyone ever skipped rocks? on a lake before. It's just, it seems so like, this is so dumb. But then it becomes competitive. How many of you are competitive people? Okay, so like, you get competitive with people like skipping rocks and you're like, one person's like, oh, I got four skips. And you're like, four skips, I could do better. Uh, and, like, and you're like trying to get five or six or seven or things. But what you notice about every time that the rock skips across the lake is there's an impact made, right? We have a phrase for that. It's called what? The ripple effect, right? There's this ripple effect that happens. The impact of the rock on the water begins to send this ever-expanding circle out across the lake and across the water as it has this impact on it. In fact, if you look up ripple effect in the dictionary, it says it's the spreading of pervasive effect or influence that this simple little tiny rock that shouldn't, shouldn't sink right away creates across the water as it goes. It's the situation in which one event causes maybe a series of other events. We call it the ripple effect. And it has an impact. In fact, listen to this. Mother Teresa said this once. I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. It's a simple, profound truth I want us to look at tonight. That I believe that your life, my life, because we're a follower of Jesus, at the very core of what God is up to, kind of what we were singing about, is moving as, as people who are sent, is your life, my life, our lives, are meant to have a ripple effect across eternity. In this world and in this generation and for generations to come, and friends, so often, 
we live for a vision that is not like that. We settle for something so small. When I think God is calling us to something so much grander, so much greater, so much bigger than us, God has always been at work from the very beginning of creation. Jesus came to amplify that work. And Jesus launched the church to continue and expand that work in this generation and in generations to come. See, the church, the gathering of people who are followers of Jesus, the church carries the promise of a justice in a world that's filled with oppression. Why? Because Jesus healed the sick and he fed the hungry and he stood up for the oppressed. And we are too. That's our role. That's the church. That's what we're meant to be about. The church carries the proclamation of redemption in a world that's filled with corruption. That God can bring new out of brokenness. That we're the stewards of the gospel, of what we've been singing about. That the good news, that life with God is available through faith in Jesus. And we are to be champions of that to every tribe and tongue and nation on every corner of this planet and on every corner of our neighborhoods. We're to champion those things. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples in Acts chapter one? Right as he's getting ready to ascend and head back to heaven, he says, look, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That it's this ever-expanding circle of impact that continues to cascade out. It's the kingdom ripple effect. It's the reality of what we're called to be a part of, what we're invited into. Remember what Paul said? Look, it's the gospel that has this power. He says this, Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone and anyone who believes. That's the power of the gospel that we are to champion. And I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question. Where would you be without Jesus? I've asked that question. I don't know if I'd like where I would have been without Jesus. Listen, (laughs) I'm still pretty broken. And I got a lot of work to do. It's a lot of work that God's doing in me. Why? Because he started a good work in me, is faithful to complete it. I'm not quite who I want to be yet. But I'm a lot further from where I was because of Jesus because his activity in our lives, that Jesus has sway in our lives as a follower of him. He's beginning to reshape us through the gift of his Holy Spirit to be people that carry his heart and his passion to have a ripple effect in this generation and generations to come. That's the impact we're to have. The church carries the power of community in a culture that's filled with isolation. The church carries the power of healing in a world that's drenched with brokenness. The church carries the light and hope of Jesus, a hope that uplifts those who are downcast and light that illuminates a path for those who are searching for truth and desire to have a life of significance beyond what they can create on their own. The church is to be the carrier of those things. Who's the church? It's you. I'm a small part of it, so are you. But when everything is working together, the church gets to champion those things. And that's the kind of church that we wanna be across our streets, in the middle of our homes, 
around our city and all around the world. We want to be people who say, look, the New Testament lays out this is the movement of God, that it's this ripple effect that continues ever expanding outward to reach more people and to have an impact. Uh, I wrote this as kind of the takeaway. As God's people and as his church, we are to have a ripple effect, an ever-expanding reach of impact and influence for Jesus everywhere we go. Why? Because God's still at work. He hasn't stopped. He's never stopped. There's more to do, and the best is always yet to come. That's the beauty of the gospel. In fact, there's a fascinating story. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 5. In this story, Jesus has an encounter that is pretty crazy. Um, It happens right near Jerusalem, outside uh, the Sheep's Gate, one of the early kind of gates that would have gone into the inner city of the old city of Jerusalem at this pool of Bethesda. And in this pool, there's lots of people who are invalid or sick or lame or hurt, blind, deaf, who are just gathered there because there was certain moments where the water would get stirred and um, ancient writers would, would say that there was moments where maybe an angel would come and kind of stir the water and the first person in would get the healing that they were seeking. And so this was a large gathering for people who had a lot of brokenness. A lot of struggles, a lot of challenges. I, I got to go to Israel a few years ago, and this is what it looks like. It used to be filled with, with waters and had these colonnades around it where people would gather. And this is where things would happen. But in this fascinating encounter, some things happen for Jesus, and there's a statement he makes that I think gets at this concept, this idea of the ripple effect that we're invited into, that Jesus is still working in. So in verse one, here's what it says. Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem as one of the Jewish festivals was coming up. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, the pool, um, surrounded by five covered colonnades, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid for 38 years. How many of you are younger than 38 years old? Okay, so think about that. This person hasn't has the the faculties of their legs and and movement for 38 years, right? When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, he asked him a question. Do you want to get well? Now, this has always fascinated me about Jesus. Because your answer to that question would be what? Duh. Like, that's a rhetorical question, Jesus. Like, why even ask it? Why even include that here? Because, of course, he wants to get well. Like, everybody and their mother would want to get well if this is the condition, but listen to the response. Do you want to get well? He goes on. The guy replies, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. No one to help me. Here's the condition I know, Jesus. I'm stuck, I'm here, I don't have a way out, I've been trying for 38 years to figure out a way, and the only way I know is like when the water gets stirred, there's a potential chance for a miracle, I I try, and I can't make it in. Everything I try doesn't happen. And then what Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And for some reason, After 38 years, people probably shouting a whole bunch of things at him. 
I don't know if sensation started going through his body, but in that instant, he's healed. And he picks up his mat and begins to walk around. Now, I'm thinking I'd probably be jumping around if that's the case, if that's me, if that's you, maybe. And, and all of a sudden, this commotion begins to happen as people see what has happened and what has occurred. And Jesus, like this Jedi Jesus, just kind of slips away to the crowd. He's gone. And this interesting thing that begins to happen is the religious leaders of the day, this happened on the Sabbath, which is like a big no-no because you're not supposed to work. And you know what carrying your mat is considered in the Jewish law? Work. And so the religious leaders see a guy carrying a mat, walking around, probably jumping around, going, hey, you can't do that. You're breaking the law. It's the Sabbath. Put your mat down. The guy's like, look, I've been, my mat's been down for 38 years, okay? So I'm, I ain't putting this down because I'm walking, right? And there's this tension that's going on between the religious leaders of the day and this reality of a miracle that has occurred. Why? Because God's always at work, this ever-expanding ripple effect of God being at work. And the religious leaders question, who did this to you? I, don't, I have no idea. It was some guy that said, just get up, and I did, and it worked, and it's the only thing that's ever worked in 38 years, and, and I'm, I'm not putting my mat down. Sorry. Jesus catches up with him later, talks, has a little bit more of a conversation with him. Then he reports, he goes, and he says, look, I found out who healed me. He goes to the religious leader, says, it was Jesus, this guy Jesus you've been talking about, he's the one that healed me. And then Jesus begins to get challenged. It's interesting in the Gospel of John, this is about where the antagonistic religious leaders begin going after Jesus even more. To the point of now, on a pursuit of wanting to kill him. Because see, Jesus messes with systems. He's messing with their system. Because he's bigger than a system. He goes on, and in verse 16, here's what he says. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In verse 17, here's what we get the clue. In this, his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. A simple phrase uttered by our Savior that I think has a lot of implications for us. God the Father is always at work, and I too am working. Why? Because since the very creation, God has this ever-expanding impact of his work going out across streets and around neighborhoods and through cities and around the world in different corners of it, meeting people where they're at, individual people who are struggling, who've been stuck for a lot of years, and they've tried a lot of different things. And what they've tried is the mechanisms that they know how to try instead of realizing there's one who comes to supply the need and to meet the need, and he has the supply to meet every need. To come in those moments and meet us where he begins to exchange and challenge us and move us. See, God is at work, and he is still incredibly active. God is active in an ever-expanding scope of work and impact in us and through us and through our reach within our city and all around the world. God's heart is an ever-expanding reach to reach people who have not been reached yet, who have not been included, who have not met and seen Jesus for who he really is. That's why it's, it matters so much that we be a people of Jesus who are for people. 
not against people. Because Jesus isn't against people. He's for people. And his church is to reflect that. It's to carry his very part of his DNA, the very heart of who he is, to move forward. That we are for people and for their good and for them to see Jesus clearly and to know him personally. That's the heartbeat that God has for us. It's what we do right here in our here and now within our reach that we have, and it's what we get to do in ever-expanding ways as God opens up opportunities and brings people across our path. Uh, a month ago, we had 16 people from Pantano Christian, kind of our mama church, and from Elements here who went uh, to Ecuador. If you don't know much about uh, the project we have going on there in Ecuador, here's kind of a 30-second recap. Is uh, Four years ago, we, with Pantano, with Vive, uh, actually launched a Compassion Children's Center and a church, Plenitude de Dios. And we said, hey, we care, and we're working with Compassion International to, to help kids where they're at, where the, some of the great needs are to help meet their needs with um, some instruction, some health care, some food, some coming alongside a relationship. We want to grow up a church here that reaches people, and it's always expanding to reach that city in Playas, which is kind of a coastal region there in Ecuador. And so we've had teams going the last three or four years. Uh, we ask our team, who will be available afterwards, uh, they're going to be down here, down front. We, I'd love for you to meet their story, and they've actually brought chocolate from Ecuador to encourage you to come talk to them. So that's nice. Uh, so you can come see them a little bit, ask their story. And we had to sum it up, like what would be the one word that would describe your trip? So I'll give you mine, and then we're going to watch a little video we filmed down in Ecuador at the end of our trip that you can kind of see some of their story. And my word would simply be this, transforming. From four years ago to today, this summer, the facilities the people, the staff, the culture, the kids has been transforming. It's Jesus at work in the Southern Hemisphere, far from us, and it's this massive inclusion of the kingdom. It's the church beginning to champion even there exactly what it champions here, that Jesus is for anyone and everyone, and he can transform lives. He's the one that begins to, to champion that. And as, uh, as we kind of listen a little bit to their stories, you're gonna hear from the four of them as they're kind of sharing a little bit. This was the very last day of our trip. We, we sat and we said, hey, we're gonna record a little bit of what our emotions and what our thoughts and just what has God been doing this week as well as what has he been doing in your life and in your heart. And this is their story. never been on a mission trip before, so this is my first time going. So I had no expectations of what to expect. So coming here, I think the biggest thing that I learned is that we serve a really, really big God. Um, it's almost mind-blowing to think that the, the same God that's in Tucson, Arizona is the same God that's in Ecuador and is everywhere. Um, and that kind of blows your mind a little bit. Um, it just changes you. Coming into this, my first meeting, 
um, what I wanted this trip to do was rock my world. And I remember saying that in the first meeting. Yeah. And it has surpassed that. Like, on so many different levels of my life, it has overcome any expectations or desires or personal wants. Um, it was bigger and better than just me and what I wanted. It, it was about what we're doing in Ecuador, the kids in Ecuador, the staff, especially the staff in Ecuador, but how they pour into these children despite what they're going through in their own homes, um, what the pastors do there. And the fact that only less than 1% of the sponsors that sponsor these children go there, I mean, we were that less than 1%. We were that statistic, and that's sad, and it shouldn't be that way. Um, but but we were there, and we did what we could, and I, I want to go back. Like, I need to go back. And so, for me, uh, personally, it made me feel grateful um, for the people who allowed me to be there, uh, for God for allowing me to be there, um, my health, our health, and to just be a piece of that uh, whole equation, I just feel so blessed to, to be able to, to be alongside everybody in that journey and, and to be a part of that. Truly blessed, definitely. Well, like I said in the beginning, I didn't have any expectations, but then my expectations have been blown. I mean, it's like, I don't even, I can't, I always try to think of that adjective to describe that one feeling, but you don't have just one feeling. You have like a million feelings. Um, you're sad, you're happy, you're mad, you're crying, we're laughing, we're, <laughs> we're serious. Like we really, like we've been all over the place just in a matter of an hour. <laughs> But this experience is mind-blowing, like we said, and it's like, I can't even, it's going to take a long time to actually be able to put it into words for people that haven't been here or that won't come here or whatever, to be able to explain it to somebody. Because it's hard to share these feelings. It's hard to share it. You can show pictures and tell them everything that's happening here, but seeing it and the feelings and touching them is a whole nother thing. So it being my second trip here, I had a few expectations going in, but I think what stood out to me the most was how much um, the project has grown and how the church has grown and how the kids are maturing in the project and just everyone is maturing there. And the tutors, uh, they've got a real good set of tutors now, which is great. So this is my second time meeting Anahi and it was quite different than the first because she, like the first time she was more reserved and shy, which I get meeting new people, it's not my favorite thing either. And um, so the second time meeting her was a lot better. She had warmed up to me and we played a lot in the pool. We went on the horses together. She loved that. She had so much fun. She just giggled the whole time. I had um, my um, kid's mom ask me why why I picked Jimmy or where he got it, uh, where I got him. They, over there, and I know Danielle and a couple of people have the same experience, they think the church or Compassion gives you that child and says, okay, this is who you're going to sponsor. And it's not like that. And so I had to explain to them. I went on and I found Jimmy. You know, I have my own weird thing. Like I put in my anniversary and his birth date was what I went with. And I picked Jimmy. I went off of the picture and I scrolled through everybody. And when she found out that we handpicked him, that meant more to them than 
I would have even thought of. I mean, that never even crossed my mind. Um, so I think that's valuable to share. For me to meet my kid, um, it just meant the world to me. Um, to to have his picture in my home every day and write him and get excited to send him pictures and then to actually physically see him and hold him, oh man, it just tugged at my heart so badly. And to meet his family and to be in his home and have his wild goose come in and, <laughs> <laughs> and cause a ruckus. Like, I was in his home in Ecuador, like in, in his in his comfort zone, in his surroundings, and I will never forget that experience at all. And just the, the day, the day that we got to spend all day with him, it just went by so quickly. Like I just wanted to just hold on to him so much longer and just take all these pictures. It just, I, I'm sad. I miss him. I never thought I could. Um, it was probably my hardest goodbye. And I just look forward to be able to see him again. And I hope that I can go back again next year. And that's definitely my goal. <laughs> so what has God been doing in your heart this year? I guess the question would be, what hasn't he done? Um, I went into this trip not really thinking much about him. That he, I would see it or feel it. But... It's almost day one, I think, is when signs started happening. And the funny part is, is we would talk and I didn't realize there were signs. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> so this trip has um, restored it for me. Um, brought me back down to where I needed to be. Um, and I couldn't have done, could not have done it without everybody on the team, not at all. But as everyone has said, the experience is there. It's what, it's like a slap in the face. It wakes you up. It's really what it did. I mean, we complain about waiting in traffic on the way home. These people just worry about how they're going to get home and feed their kids. Like really? And there's most of them are single moms doing this with no transportation, no health, no anything. So God's changed my world. I can just do that. <laughs> so going into this trip, I kind of knew what God was doing already. Um, I am someone that is just go, go, go all the time. And I think the words that have been resonating with me before this trip and even during this trip are just be. And I... I get so caught up in my routine of like, I have to be at this place at this time that I, I miss out on relationships maybe and opportunities to communicate with people and just share time with them. And so I knew that coming on this trip, it was just like no agenda. And of course there's always an agenda, but not having to rush off to the next thing, like always one foot out the door. It's just like, just be, just be here. And I think there was, two really big moments for me on this trip where it was just me and we had it three or four hours at the day in the life it was a good amount of time with a family that wasn't even my sponsor family it was another um, person that came on the trip with us their family and we just sat in this tiny living room like I don't even know how to describe how small it is with seven people 
and we made plantains and we just talked for four hours. There's no TVs, there's no phones, like nothing. You're just me. You don't know these people, you've never met them before, you don't speak the same language as them, but you can build a relationship um, and get to know them. And I think the second time was when we were at one of the tutors' house and we were in her apartment and we were just talking. And I realized that when you are always in a rush, you never get to go deeper with people. And so being there and just letting her talk and hearing her story, uh, we got to find out so much more about her and her story and it helped us learn how to pray for her better and it just built a stronger bond. I keep thinking of like, go deeper, don't go wider. Um, and just taking time to just be and be present, that's what I've learned on this trip. And I, I hope that I can take that back and I will take that back. Um, but I think it's really important to build relationships. If you want information about sponsoring a child or going on a trip to Ecuador, we want you to talk to us. <laughs>so they really do want to talk to you about that. So if you have questions, and just even go ask them, what's the word that you're taking away? Uh, they'll be down front after the service. I'd love for you to have conversations to hear that, because uh, God was working big time in Ecuador. Listen, God's always working. What did Jesus say? My Father's always at work, and I too am working. When Jesus launched the church, we, we say this a lot around here, we're, we're to be those active agents for God and for his good in this world, and, and that's the, the awesome opportunity we have as the church, individually and together. Now, I, I want you to hear something. That doesn't mean we go work really, really hard for God because we gotta earn his approval. It's not that. We live by grace alone, not effort, period. Whew. That's where it's relaxing and where it's life-giving. But maybe in our culture, there's a challenge, there's a challenge going on in our culture, friends. Let's be direct about it. So here's some questions. The challenge in our culture is, is a current in our culture that's underneath all of us. And it's gonna wear down, and it's gonna push you to think in certain ways that don't necessarily line up with the way Jesus is calling us to live and the way he modeled to live. So we live by grace. God recognizes that you're limited in your scope and your capacity because you're human. You're not him. So we live by grace. But we have to wrestle with this reality. In our fast-paced, fully scheduled, commotion-oriented life, are we shortening our reach? Are we cocooning more inward? in order to stay safe and comfortable and to not be inconvenienced, and thus missing out on the ever-expanding impact and work that God is doing in the world, in your home, in your neighbors, on your soccer team, in your school classroom, in the cubicle next door at the office, and the people that you rub shoulders with, because God is always at work. He still is. Don't miss out in partnering with him. 
allow your heart to continue to, to go into this idea of I'm, I'm enfolded into a reality to have a ripple effect for this generation and for generations to come because it's bigger than me. It's not about me. And our culture wants it to be about you. Our culture says cocoon. Keep it about you. You be safe. Following Jesus is not safe, friends. He messes with you. Enjoy the journey, the ups and the downs of it, the journey of it, because it's an adventure of a lifetime. It's an adventure of a lifetime. So maybe here's the question. Is your vision expanding to see people the way Jesus sees people, to notice people more this year than you did three years ago? Do do people even make it on your radar? Or are you so tunnel vision about your life that you miss it? Because God's always at work and Jesus said, I'm working all the time too and I I want you as the church to be working with me. Is your time expanding? Able to be interrupted by assignments and opportunities that Jesus brings across your path to partner with him in sharing your hope and your love and your resource and your, your energy with? Are your resources expanding? in God's direction, open to his leadership and direction and not just sequestered for your use only? Is your compassion expanding? Is your heart open to get involved with what God is up to and to be quicker in reaction to that and with a deeper effort than it was two years ago? See, that's spiritual growth. Is your love expanding? Is it more readily available in the interactions that you have with people? more so now than it was even a year ago? Is your love quicker to enter into the interactions than maybe your irritation or your anger or your frustration or your resentment? Do those show up to the door too quick? Or is it love that enters through the door first? Jesus said, my father is always at work and even to this day, and I too am working. And he has sent us to be on his team, active agents for him at work in the ever-expanding impact and influence we're to have in his name. And that begins in our home and across our streets, all around our city and around the world. It just keeps getting bigger. Why? Because you can't change the world. But you can live your life in a way that casts stones across the water to leave ripples wherever you go for this generation and the generations to come. That's the invitation we have as the church to be. Uh, Let me end with kind of a a parable, so to speak. In Israel, there's interesting, there's a couple bodies of water. There's obviously the Mediterranean Sea on the coast, but there's a couple bodies of water that have these fresh water intakes into them. They, they really define the whole region, these two bodies of water. In the north, there's the Sea of Galilee. It's where Jesus did a lot of his ministry and, and being out there and saying, okay, this is where Jesus walked on water. It's crazy. And it, just, and it has this intake of fresh water to it. And it has an output. It's called the Jordan River. It continues to go down and down to the south region where this other body of water is called the Dead Sea. I floated in the Dead Sea. There's no fish in the Dead Sea. 
just crazy Americans floating. There's minerals there. There's an intake, and it's there, but it stagnates, and it smells, and it stinks, and everything dies, and it rots. Why? Because there's an intake, but there's no output. Don't be a Dead Sea Christian. Jesus loves to invest and pour into you. He'll do it your whole entire life. And the best is yet to come because you get to go live with him where he's constantly pouring into you and everything's better. But he has so much to invest in you and he will and that's the role of the church. We want to invest in you. But that investment is an, in, an inlet, an intake for you. And you need an output. That's your life. It's not about you. It's about pushing back to say the way of Jesus is so much bigger than me. It's so much better than what I can dream up. And that's what I get to be a part of. And to live with that excitement, to say that's what I get to be a part of and that's where we get to go. And we get to live with this idea. Why? Because God's always at work, even to this day. And Jesus is still at work. And he's still asking his church to join him. In the middle of working in their homes, your home, my home, across our streets, all around our city, and across the whole entire world, because he's always at work, this ever-expanding work of God that we get to be a part of. Whether you go on a mission trip or not, you're sent on mission. It starts when you walk out these doors. We talked a little bit about that last week when Matt spoke. That's the invitation we have. And so as we continue on in worship, we're gonna have a time of communion. Uh, we have communion tables if you're new. Uh, we have a couple down front here. There's gluten-free crackers here. There's a couple in the back. We kind of set some space for you to do that. We're gonna continue to worship in song. And then Brian will close us at the end of the service. And just wanna invite you to contemplate, to think about, how's my... How's my love? Is it expanding? How's my compassion? Is that expanding? How's the resources I'm given to manage? Is that expanding in God's direction? Is, is my mind and my vision, is that even expanding? God, what would you have me expand more in these next six months to end out this year? How can you help me grow in that, God? So let's pray toward those ends. And so, Father, that's what we want to do. We want to take these next few minutes to remember, Jesus, your life, your death, your resurrection. As we take communion, remember it was your body broken for the forgiveness of our sins, your blood shed, that we might have life with you through faith. And we're grateful for that. So as we take communion in a minute, as we go into these songs, may we sing them with our heart. When Holy Spirit, would you stir our hearts in a fresh way with how you want us to be a part of this ever-expanding work of impact and influence for Jesus what that might look like this week, what that might look like this month, what that might look like the rest of this year, these next six months or so. God, how would you have us yield our hearts and our abilities and our energies to advance your kingdom? I pray that you'd stir us afresh and anew. We ask that.